you know, this is Manchester United, Boot Van Horse is being sold, and then you go online and, and it seems to be like, this is a good thing. You're like, it's not. Please stop telling me this is a good thing. It's not. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. All right, a brand new Netflix docu-series that puts the uh, spotlight on tennis this time has uh, just been, uh, just dropped is the official expression on uh, Netflix this morning. Breakpoint, it's called. Delighted to say a couple of people who are uh, hugely responsible for putting it together. Producer James Gay Reese and showrunner Carrie Leah join us on the line now. Good morning to you both. Thanks a million for jumping on. Morning, how are you doing? Nice to be here. Good, thanks. You you um, guys are uh, responsible for this uh, craze that's gripping the world at the minute around uh, lifting the lid, uh, pulling back the curtain from from these sports. Uh, you were behind Drive to Survive as well. Yes, yeah, we were. We've uh, been making that show now for five years, which is amazing. And um, I suppose it's just had such a transformative effect on that sport that it's led to lots of other people coming knocking on the door, which is very nice. And uh so, yeah, when obviously tennis became a possibility, we jumped on it because um, we're all tennis fans and it's such a fascinating world, which was, uh, you know, we felt that there was a lot of untold story within it that we'd like to shine a light on. And so it proved. There was no reluctance to when you've created something so amazing that uh, like no pressure when you uh, when you wander into another sport. It's totally different, honestly. Each sport's obviously massively different. I mean, we're doing a few of these at the moment and the, the experience is different every time. And um Tennis is literally could not be more diametrically opposed to you know the, to Formula One. If it tried, you know, it's an individual sport in the truest sense of the word. There are no caddies, even you know, there's nobody in your corner. There's no teams rounding you in the sense of a Formula One team, and you know, it's just a completely different mental and physical activity with different bandwidth, different profiles. So no, it felt like a totally different exercise, and it was uh, it's been an absolute hoot actually to get under the skin of it all. In terms of the, the starting out point, were you guys like F1 nuts and then that's how you came to that? Because I know obviously you were behind Senna as well, uh, James. Was that the way you came into this or did you reverse into it in some other way? Well, this or uh, Formula Generally one. into the, 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 the genre, I suppose. No, no, it was, just, it was started off with Senna, obviously. Um, and then obviously we made films like Maradona as well. And uh, we've made a, a few things in the sports space film about Steven Gerrard called uh, Make Us Dream. And then it's just fortuitous. I was just at an event and bumped into the Red Bull team and then discussed uh, doing a show around Formula One and then, you know, became Dry to Survive. And then, as I said, the phone started ringing. So, no, it was just a, just a you know, it was like most things in life. It wasn't designed. It was just a sort of a sequence of events. Harry, what is the challenge of approaching players who have just suffered a humiliation on court? I'm thinking episode three, Maria Sakkari. Biggest final of her life, Indian Wells, loses to world number one, Iga Sviantek, but doesn't just lose, is annihilated. She is fuming afterwards, but yes, you capture the footage. We're there with her. How difficult was that to approach someone who, at that moment, is probably so volatile because they're so angry with themselves? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. It's um, You put a lot, of, a lot of work, a lot of groundwork well before that time, so... You know, we sit down or, or James and Paul you know, sit down with people initially to talk to them about filming. But then, you know, you talk, have a long time where you talk about about filming and about what story we want to tell of them, what's important for them to get across. And then it's really crucial that we say, listen, we're here, win or lose. We need to be here whether you win or you lose. And and we want to show that. And the chances are at a slam, 128 players 
come in and 127 lose. So the chances are, you know, we are going to be filming loss at some point, you know, unless it's the big one, right? And so we talk about that. They were very keen that we saw both sides. It was really important to them that they they felt like it was time for people to be honest about what was really going on behind the scenes. But um, I think the most important thing is that the players all knew. We told them the second it gets to be too much and you want us to put the phone, the camera down, you look at us, give us a nod and we put it down. We we work together and there's a layer of trust there that really is really, really important. And actually, quite incredibly, I think that happened only one time. And it, it wasn't that. even... Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask, did that happen? Yeah, it happened only it happened only one time. And, uh, and I was there and I remember it well. And, and, and it wasn't a story that we were particularly, you know, was going to be big for us. It's not in the film. But um, but yeah, no, because the trust was so good by that point. So I think everyone knew that, you know, we were on, we weren't there to embarrass them. We were there to tell their story. Who was it? It was on Jabour in the oh. uh, first round. We were, I'll tell you, we were actually uh, doing a practice run because she had just won Madrid and made it to the finals of Rome. And we were doing a practice run of uh, with our team uh, to do a slam. It was our A lot of our team was their first slam. And we were, so we knew Ons really well. We're very close to Ons and love Ons. And uh, we thought, okay, well, we'll we'll just walk through what it's like to do a, a round, first round. And um, and she lost. And, and and it wasn't what anyone was expecting. And she wasn't, you know, and... and, and um, and they let us film at the, you know, she was very upset. And um, and then they just looked at us and gave us a nod. And it was like, you know, it's fine. But we, we, we weren't there to, you know, we weren't there to call her out or anything. And and we understood. So it's fine. I tell you what, James. Just... Sorry, Adrian, go ahead. Go on, Colin, go ahead. No, go I was going to say, James, like, it's not just entertaining, but you're very brave. Like, episode two, Matteo Berrettini, Alia Tamjanovic, who at the time were a couple. They're no longer a couple, but they were going out at the time. They're both competing at the Australian Open. They have wildly different experiences at the Australian Open, but they're sharing this hotel room. And there's one scene where there's a discussion about their morning plans, let's say. And it's the next morning. It's like, well, I'm going for this interview. And Mateo's saying, well, I'm still in the tournament. I need my sleep. You know, how were you able to get that access, stay there, and yet kind of be that fly in the wall and let them be themselves? How, in, that, in that particular instance, that was fascinating, that scene. I mean, Karen can speak to this better because she's on the ground a lot more than I was. So, um, I mean, I, I think with Matteo and Isla, they're actually incredibly natural people. Incred- like what you see is what you get. Like they're not different when you put the camera down. They are like that normally. And then they're like that when you put the camera down. So I think, you know, the team got lucky because they are, they're very open kind of people. And they, you know, I think... To my mind, that story is really, I love, I find that story really fascinating because everyone always focuses on the top 10 players, but no one ever thinks about the thousands of people that are also trying to come up. And I think that's what was, to me, really interesting about Isla's story is it's so as a a story about someone who's trying to get in there, but it's it's really hard, you know, and and so hopefully we're able to show that. Are we mispronouncing your name? Carrie. No, don't worry. Like the county. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good. Very good. 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 Uh, good. You know your audience. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> and I'm going to apologize now because I've done it a few times already and I'll, I'll apologize for doing it again, but I'm going to reference Drive to Survive again. Did Did you find that um, having created that beast and the fact that it took over the world and everybody was watching it, that suddenly when you were talking to players, it was a slightly different dynamic in that people understood this is what's involved. So when it comes to losing and the fireworks kick off, we will be there. And, and so it wasn't like that there was no uh, lack of understanding about what might be involved almost. No, I don't think so. As you say, listen, 
a lot of athletes have watched that show because I think it, it had a certain sort of profile. So, you know, people are pretty smart these days. They know that these things don't happen by themselves and, you know, and you've got to be in and amongst it and you've got to basically, as Carrie said, you know, you know, film the, the good stuff alongside the bad stuff. And I think that, um, no, I think it's, it's just a, there's, you know, there's no real magic to this process. People think there is, but there isn't. But you basically just have to earn their trust and then, you know, basically hope that you're, you know, you kind of design the right kind of luck because you've got to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know, you place a number of bets and then it will come off, right? And so, if you're smart, more come off than don't. And then, you know, you just kind of, you know, you develop those relationships and the trust increases all the time. And you'll see in the second half of the series, you know, the relationships get deeper. Um, the access gets better and better and better all the way through, which is always the same way on these shows. And then, you can, you know, you start to find that emotional truth in the show. And they know when you're in that space and you know when you're in that space. And that's when the kind of like the really good stuff happens. And um, it's very hard to get there, though. And, you know, at the end of the day, all these people are professional athletes who actually have to focus on being an athlete, not really being on a TV star. And so, um, you know, it's, you're walking a line all the time. Do they, do, have they all signed up? Do every player sign up to be involved? Or is it, as always, you're trying to navigate around some uh, personalities who just aren't into it? No, there's hundreds of players, aren't there? So you can't do all of them. So we sat down with the slams and the ATP and the WTA and just got the list out and said, who's who's who? Because we don't you know. We're not tennis people. And they, we had a, like, a long list and then it got shorter and shorter and shorter. And then you start to meet people. And some say, yeah, I'm all in. Let's go for it. And then some say, oh, I don't fancy it. You know, it's just inevitable. Um, and but if it has these shows have a way of finding their natural level, you know, you'll you end up engaging with the people that you're meant to engage with, if you see what I mean. You can't force people to do something they don't yeah. want to do. At that said, were there names not on the list that you wanted to be on it? There's always a few, but not in a kind of uh debilitating way, no. Yeah. Uh, one other one for me, because I know Colm is itching to get in, and this is very much a specialist topic. Um was the conversation around Nick Kyrgios being episode one a fairly brief one? <laughs> uh, I can't remember but yes it was long and brief I think <laughs> yeah no I think um you know it's tricky because we had three episodes the first three episodes have you seen them all I've seen one and a half episodes okay. I've seen much the more, life, much yeah. more uh, in roads than I have yet well I'll tell you because episode three is uh one of our favorite episodes where um Taylor Fritz who no one expected to do well you know goes and and, and, well, I don't want to give it away, but he does something fantastic in that episode and it's very exciting. And so, you know, that's a great episode. Matteo Berrettini is a fantastic, you know, does uh, incredibly well at the Australian Open. So to be honest with you, internally, there was a lot of talk about the, we have three fantastic potential episodes that could be the first one and everyone had their favorite. But in the end, it was actually Netflix decisions. So. Really? Okay. Yeah, because Kyrgios has episode one to himself and that's not the case for the following four. So yeah, that's right. felt that strongly about Kyrgios. I mean, um, is, like for me, Kyrgios works out as about the seventh most famous tennis player in the world. So you have <laughs> Federer, Djokovic, Nadal, Murray, Serena and Osaka. And then comes Kyrgios. So was it a case, maybe for you, James, that Kyrgios was the, the most famous left over, so we had to go first? Or are we just talking about a generational personality? No, 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 no. So it's purely the strength of the narrative. I mean, obviously he is, you know, he's a noisy character. So it's a, it's a good way to open the show because he is talked about, as you say, but, but also, you know, he's got one of the, he's got a very interesting story. And it, and we, we, we pick that up in the second part of the show as well. We go deeper into him and explain, you know, try to get under his skin a little bit and work out what's really going on there. 
So, um, no, he's just listened, you know, he gave, gave us great access and he's a great hook, but, you know, they've all got good stories. And like Carrie said, it was, a, I mean, honestly, at certain points in time, we were dedicated to another episode, then it was a different point, you know, there was a different starting point. So it wasn't always designed to be around him. What really strikes me is it's such a lonely sport. Like, it's such a lonely sport. Really? And and I, like, I suppose I do glamorise it. I'm such a fan of tennis. There's so many people are that it seems so fantastic. Imagine win- winning at Wimbledon or the other three Grand Slams and getting all this money and fame and fortune. But, geez, for the vast majority of, of players, it's such a grind. And there's a, a scene with Tomjanovic and, and just her mental health. It, it's so apparent. You know, people know about it with Kyrgios, but with Tomjanovic especially. Who is this documentary for? I think we, it was really important to us that we made a documentary that was, you know, going to speak to a vast majority of people and not, you didn't have to know anything about tennis to enjoy it. I think I'll, hopefully a lot of the stories, like the, especially the one that you're talking about when Tomlanovich, uh, Isla loses, um, it's about, you know, how it feels, you know, I think everyone can knows what it feels like to go out there and try really hard and fail and fail badly. And, and, and how difficult and disappointing it is and embarrassing and on all of those things. And so we wanted to tell stories that were true to people, no matter what, you know, no matter if you uh, knew about tennis or not, and hopefully the tennis fans will love it. I'm sure they won't like some of the explainers, you know, <laughs> because uh, we explain, you know, basic things and, and we have to do that because mo- the truth is the majority of people, we wanted to make something that everyone could enjoy, whether you were a tennis fan or not. I have a theory though, as well, that because, most people at some point in their life have tried to play tennis and picked up a tennis racket and like me failed miserably to be any good at it, but you can sort of relate to somebody putting a forehand into the net. Do you know what I mean? No matter how good you are. So I think actually like very few people are ever going to get into a formula one car, which is why that show appeals to people in a different way. But I think this show could appeal to a lot of people because you'll be like, I know that feeling. I know what it's like to hit a double fall. And even though nobody gives a shit when I hit a double fall, and it can be literally a life-changing event when Nick Kyrgios does it in a Wimbledon final, you know how he feels because we've all done it. Do you know what I mean? And I think there's something in that that should really have some traction with people. I mean, that's obviously, I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case, but I, can, I, would under, I could believe that could be the case. Well, one of the more relatable quotes is I think from Sakri again, when she's on the bike after Indian Wells final, and she says, in tennis, you have to get used to losing because you're going to lose more than you win unless you're the big three. And I was thinking, wow, like depending on the kind of day you've just had yourself, it's like, well, that that is extremely relatable. Now, look, between us, just just between us, who was your favourite player to work with? We loved them all, didn't we, James? Uh, no. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I have a story for Isla. I think Isla's just a brilliant character and she's got a brilliant story in the second half of the show as well. So she has an amazing uh, journey and curve. So she was great. And Jensen, she gave us a lot of her time as well. So I have a soft spot for Isla's dad. I'm just going to be straight up about that. <laughs> he's no, not, he's, but he's you'll see, what, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> um, the, I, James, you're involved in the new golf documentary. Yeah. Yeah. The, I was, I was only just thinking about it as we were chatting. I mean, you know, the uh, uh, good fortune slash good planning you know, in the one of the most recent Drive Survive series with Abu Dhabi, you have Djokovic and the whole COVID stuff in uh, in the tennis. And lo and behold, Live Golf lands onto your plate. You must, I mean, I know there was a lot of uh, hand-wringing amongst the tour and stuff, but I mean, you must have been, that was a gift from the gods. I know, we were panicking there because we were like, hang on, so basically every player we're featuring is going to live. And this is a show about the PGA. So... <laughs> 
does that mean that we can't have any of those players in the series? So there were some quite anxious times. But yeah, no, what can I tell you? We're um we're lucky producers. We do seem to be sometimes in the right place at the right time. And listen, we all need a bit of luck, don't we? So you know. Yeah, but you have to be there to get the luck. Yeah. Are there more uh where are the better characters, golf, Formula One or tennis? Ooh. <laughs> they're so different. <laughs> they're so different, honestly. When you see the golf show as well, that's like a totally different beast all, all together as well. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't feel right. like part of the same. So they're honestly, they're all my children, love them all. Um, you know, I have a favorite, but I'm not gonna say who it is. We all we I all have favorite kids. That's that's I, the name. I knew you had a favorite, James, by the way, you're answering that question. <laughs> you have to come on again and tell us. After all <laughs> three, next time. That's um, a promise, is that after all three air, you have to come on and tell us. <laughs> an yeah, we've got another two which are about to uh about to hit the hit hit the script or hit their rim production so you know after that the other two have dropped as well then we can have a conversation yeah. one fight. last one one last one for both of you what's your favorite uh flying the wall documentary of all time be it sport non-sport fucking hell that's a great question sorry <laughs> um favorite flying uh, all time i'm, I'm... I'm going to be very boring and uh, you might not have seen it, but there's a series called Exodus, which, um, which was on BBC two, which is about, um, about the Syrian refugees trying to come to the UK. Wow. That was well, pretty amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Me? Another, another moment of inspire of inspiration there, Carrie, that you were, uh, yeah, you were thinking of another. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. That, yeah. That's, that one. Yeah. <laughs> James. Senna. No, I'm joking. Senna <laughs> is a good show. Pretty good. Honestly, my brain's gone, so I can't give you anything inspiring. Well, uh, well when we have you on the next time I come, Ted, we'll, um, we'll definitely come back to that one. Um, as I said, it's dropped on Netflix as of this morning. It's, uh, it's a great show. Um, it's called Breakpoint. And I'd like to say that a couple of people who are really responsible for putting it together, showrunner Carrie Leah and producer James Gary. Thanks, William, for jumping on. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.